Welcome to episode 87 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Haramia. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. Hi. Hi. I'm watching your husband go back and forth. Is he working on the yard? Oh, yeah. He's got a shovel or something. He's doing, oh. He's is doing he, some yard work, Is I he think. doing yard work? It looks like it. Wow. He's so tall. Look he's how tall he is. He's tall. That shovel looks like a tiny little, <laughs> a little spoon in his hand. <laughs> yes, he's So lovely very, for your very. family to, like, run like roaches when the lights come on. Yes. <laughs> we'll go to Bye. The See ya. Thanks, oh kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what's going on? What's haps? What's the haps? Oh, uh, is it summer yeah. What? <laughs> you sound like my son the first day of school. Is school over? Is school I'm like, over? no. Can we sit? No. Are you having a better week though? I'm having a better week. Good, good, good. Um, I did, I wanted to talk about something that I saw that was really upsetting mm-hmm. about Texas and okay. reproductive rights. Oh, well. And <laughs> their bill that goes into effect, I believe, September 1st. Mm. And basically, what they're they're calling this a bounty. So basically... The state is sort of deputizing its citizens. Oh, lovely. And if a woman is getting help to access abortion, whether it's a rideshare person that drops her off at a clinic, a mm. friend, a doctor, um, that a neighbor, a neighbor, yeah. whoever it may be, that that private citizen can now sue that person. And then they get a reward of like ten up to $10,000. <gasps> for ratting people out who are trying to help women get access to abortion. Amazing. Can you, can, I, I read this and I was like, I mean, my, my mind, I, I, I couldn't compute it. I, can I couldn't tell compute you it that, that now, now, now what we're going to have people spying on one another mm-hmm. and, and just to try to get money. And we're going to continue now. Now women are under even more attack well, and fear. You, that means they have a pot of money to give away. To these spies, right? Yeah. Well, Meanwhile, I don't know they if the take- state is giving the money or if it's like you can sue to up to $10,000 and win that case. Like that part I'm murky on, but still like the fact that, well, they're calling it a bounty. So it's like they're getting paid. But they could take that money yeah. and put it into reproductive services, put it yeah. into, you know, sex education yeah, no. and anything like that or reproductive, you know, like a, a contraception. Like they could put this into something that would prevent pregnancy. Right. Well, um, the thing that's happening is I think it's said that now in in most areas of Texas where it would be, I think it went from like maybe 12 or 24 miles to drive to have access to an abortion to over 248 miles. Mm. Um, and that between like the two neighboring states, there's only like eight places to go. Right. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's incredible. But when I read that, I said, now we have bounties? Well, they were this a lot smarter. Happening? They've been a lot smarter than the pro-choice people. They've been devious, yeah, and sneaky. And this is what Ruth G- Bader-, Bader Ginsburg said was going to happen. She yeah. said it should happen on the state level, not the federal level, with Roe v. Wade, because these states are now going to chip away at this, and that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. They, well, and every year they're chipping away at it until there's nothing left. And like uh, Lucy Sedgwick said on our show, the Florida, yeah. the ruthless. Um, uh, the head of Ruthless. I'm sorry, I don't know yeah. her <laughs> title right now, but I think uh, she said that um, there. Are, when we say they're chipping away at our rights in Florida, she's like, "Yo, we don't have rights in Florida. Yeah, we don't have rights. They don't exist." Well, and she's right. Well, what this article that I read was saying is that other states mm-hmm. like Florida and you know Alabama, Oklahoma, all these other states now might look to Texas as a blueprint. Yeah, of course. And start doing the same thing. That's here. what they do. They it's take in, it's incredible. They copy and paste the laws that are in this state or other yeah. states, and they apply it to their state. I mean, the, uh, t- ten thousand dollars. Like, I, and, and, some, and you're gonna and you're gonna now encourage people to spy and yeah. and and put women under more duress. Yeah, and a lot and, of it aren't they aren't the legislators who actually write those laws. It's a think tank, right? It's an anti-abortion, you know, think tank that's funded by a lot of money. And they have lawyers on the payroll, and they write this legislation, and then they give it to the legislator and say, "Go put, go put this up. Yeah. We gave you money, right? Now for you, you to now run. you got to do what you we want. You won your seat. Now here's yeah. the bill we want you to present. It is awful. It's it's. I feel like I I and I feel like I say it all the time, but it's 2021. Mm-mm. And Plus, this is what we're dealing with. And I have to say something else. Like, this is what we're dealing can with. Can the Taliban fucking stop for a second? And I, it's, I'm not trying to be oh. light, like try to like make this lighthearted because it's fucking oh, horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. But like, I can't take another thing. 
So when you say things like this, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm still in the pandemic. What the fuck? Right. Like, I, there's enough happening. Can everybody just fucking hit pause on their destruction of the world for just a second? Yeah. Can we just hit pause for a second? Because I'm out of my fucking mind. It's, I cannot it's, take another yeah. second. I, it's it's constant. Like, we can't, I, I just, I don't ever remember this much turmoil. And maybe I was like a naive child. Mm. No, you know, this is, this is, this is insanity yeah. and it bleeds over to like state issues. And so like, I can't even like, oh girl, I wanted to bring this up. I have to talk to you. I have to tell you about this because I don't know if you're aware that this happened, but, uh, speaking of Florida, like as the state and the legislature and all of that. So, oh, DeSantis, not DeSantis, but oh. I do want to say something about DeSantis, but uh, first I want to talk about the person I brought up with you and Barefoot Lobo, and everybody forgets how much I fucking hate him, It's Chip Lamarca, oh. my, my Florida rep for District 93. Oh, Chip. What a stunning week this fucking guy, week he had. Oh, so, share, share, so share. So there's a thing called the Broward Legislative Delegation. Yes. Okay, so oh, what it is, and oh, every county no. has their yes. legislative delegation. It kind of makes sense of what you would think that is. It's kind of in the title. So everybody who represents Broward County on the state level, every state senator and state rep are a part of this delegation. They're the delegation that represents Broward in Tallahassee. So they get together before the session and the legislative session, which starts what, God, I think they go up in November or October to start working on bills. Yes. But they get together and say, okay, here's our agenda. This is what, what bills are you going to work on? They all talk about what they're going to do, how they can support each other. What's the big thing for this session? Which really is funny because Democrats are just on the defense the whole time. It's not really like they get to do a lot. Right. Okay. Well, and they, but, but what's interesting is they do have this Republican that could help and work (laughs) and think about the best interest of Broward County. That's funny. I know. So like that would be, you know. Yeah. So they have a chair (laughs) and a co-chair that they elect every year, a new person. So I think, oh no. Also part of this is that chip lamarca because we live in a very blue county of broward most of the representatives are democrats and there's a couple that are republican right but chip lamarca because they and they represent like a part of miami-dade and broward so right. they're republican for both of those counties or they, or they represent part of palm beach and part of broward right. and um, let me guess rich white east coast well fabrizio that guy who the, or fabrizio whatever his name is who who beat uh, cindy polo I think he's Hispanic. I, no, I mean the, the area. Oh, the areas. Kind well, of. No, no, not, not his that is, area. His is Hylia. Hylia. Yeah, and he's got part of Collier County. He's yeah. got three counties. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. But Chippewa is the only, like, all Broward Republican in this. Yes. Okay. The last Republican seat we've got, Can we get, Broward, can we get this <laughs> Get your seat? shit together, motherfuckers. But his area is yeah. a Ugh. rich white area. It's, That's yes, why. Yes. yes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens after redistricting. So I guess last year... At, before this session, he came, well, he came into the session and he said, you know, it's really not fair that every year we elect a Democrat to be the chair of this, oh, this legislative delegation. Give me a break. It's not fair that you don't show up to fucking vote like, for anything. When was the last time there was a Republican who was in charge of this? And they said, well, he's like, we need to change this. We need a new rule. And they're like, you're too late. You just, you're doing this process wrong. You got to go through a rules committee. You've got to, here's the process you got to do to bring this up at the, at, at the election. You can't just walk in here. So this year... He goes through the process, right? He goes, he emails everybody, he tells everybody, this is what I want, I want. And a couple people write him back and say, yeah, you know, that's that's not a bad idea. What? You know, whatever. And then when he followed up with them, nobody responded because nobody would support him yeah. on this, right? <laughs> wow, how does it feel? How does it feel, Chip? Yeah. So he How does can- <laughs> it feel to not be supported? So I see a tweet from Anthony Mann, who reports from Sun Sentinel on politics in Broward. And he talks about how Chip Lamarca was like, yeah. nobody will vote for me for chair, right? And I was like, what the fuck? So I go to this video and no. I watch the entire <gasps> meeting. And this guy, so Perry Thurston, Senator Perry Thurston, who's now running for Alcee Hastings and one oh of the 20 my. people running for that seat. Yeah, the never ending list of people he's for the that current chair. Seat. He's the current chair and the vice chair is, is Rep- Representative Michael Gottlieb from Plantation. Uh, so... It's all like kind of known that Michael Gottlieb is going to be the next chair. They're all going to vote for Michael Gottlieb. They're going to nominate him. Like, that's it. This is the next chair. Yeah. So he goes, I'm going to get my, give my best friend. Perry Thurston says, I'm going to give my best friend, Chip Lamar, a chance to like address. No, he doesn't say that. Yeah, address the fucking group. <laughs> so Chip Lamar then proceeds oh. to go, you know, last year you shut me down because of this. He goes, you know, this year 
I went through the process like nobody emailed me back. You know, in Tallahassee, we go through a committee. Everybody talks to each other. Oh, because you're all because you're all Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, in Tallahassee, you're part of the majority. Yes. Fuck it. Where what it counts, it, yeah. where it counts, you're part of the majority. Give me like, a break. Fuck you. So um, I wonder if his little Tallahassee buddies were like, "What's going down there in Broward? Oh, why aren't you in charge? Like, why but, why yeah. aren't you in charge, Chip? Like I was wondering be- the same thing. You like, better go get that Broward County. You, you know. better stand up. Yes, like you know where you stand here. Yeah. How? Wait, in so, what fucking so, somebody, universe? Somebody, I think, had to have been right. like, what's going on, Chip? So he goes through the thing, and, and they say to him again, well, you, you got to go through the rules committee. And then they say, right, in this other side of the mouth, they go, well, we don't have a rules committee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So he goes, well, it, this is what it looks like. And they're yeah. like, bye. Like, bye. that's it. So then um, I mean, do they what not- he wants is this. This is what he wants. He, he wants, wants a Democrat. Con- then he wants a Republican. Then he wants a Democrat. Then he wants a Republican. So Gary Farmer, who uh, you got to say, uh, not I'm not the biggest fan of Gary Farmer. He, he tends to like to showboat a, lit, a, bo- a bit. Sorry, Tina. Sorry. Talks a lot. And he was doing it in the meeting. If you want an example, go watch the meeting. Yes. But <laughs> there is a part where he could, I could tell he does not like LaMarca. Yeah. And he was going, well, it kind of, it ends up being Democrat, then LaMarca, Democrat, then LaMarca. He goes, <laughs> it's kind of a, you know, he goes, you know, whatever. And Chip goes, well, does that be Republican? It could be an independent. And I'm thinking, where's Ooh, the fucking where? third party where? candidate? There's no third party. Oh. And, and he said there's more non there's more independent voters in Broward registered than Democrats and Republicans. And that is so fucking untrue. I, when he said it, I was like, what? I went to the elections, uh, off the supervised elections right on the front page. It's like 600,000 Democrats, like 300,000 or 200,000 Republicans and 300,000 independents. So there's, I think there's more, I think there's more NPAs than Republicans. Now that, that might be what he's thinking because a lot of people jump ship. Yeah. They left the Republican party. They left the, uh, so he's Republican out of his party. fucking mind. And anyway, they told him to go fucking pound sand. Oh, so Michael Gottlieb God. gets elected. Congratulations to Rep- Representative Gottlieb and Representative Patricia Wills- uh, Williams got vice chair. And Gottlieb said, I promise to Representative Lamarca, I will look into this. We'll figure out a way to, to make it seem more fair. But here's the thing. Even if they did that, you're never going to be the fucking chair no. of this. Listen. You're never going to be the chair. Um, so when all of these reps go to Tallahassee, is he going to tell the people up there, we got to be more fair to our Broward right. delegates. Yeah, is he going to do that? Yeah. He's so, not going to do that. I tweeted. He's not going to do that. I tweeted, oh, boo-hoo. I said, is, is that, it is what it is, is, or this is what it looks like. Is that what he said to all the trans children he voted against? Yeah. And, and said that they, their genitals needed to be inspected right. if they wanted to fucking play sports. And, and, and he voted he, for that. And didn't Fuck he, you, like, Marco. not, didn't he disappear on a vote for reproductive rights yeah. and just not vote at all? Yeah. He's famous for that. Well, he, vote, he does no a, work. In a committee, he walked out of the committee for right. a vote. Then it went against the floor. He voted for it. He right. fucking does not support women. No. He does not support the transgender community. He's a fucking, he, and he should not be a representative in this fucking he county. He should not be. Get the fuck out of my and, face. And he's and, my fucking rep. And, and same, same, my rep as well. And we've talked about it before on this podcast, so people forgive us, but the reason he's elected is because he's known around here and there are Democrats that yeah. vote for him and give there him money. There are Democrats who vote and, and give him money. And it's, it's, it's gotta end. It's one thing if it's Democratic. It's gotta voter, end. What you're referring to, let's be more specific, are elected officials that are Democrats. Right. A Dale Holness, a fucking, um, Michael Udine. These are all County commissioners who some publicly give him money. Some don't publicly, but they all fucking support him behind the scenes. Cause they yeah. work buddy, buddy with him on the County commission. So let's be very specific about who's supporting him. Uh, Mayor Dean Trantalis will not, not come out and for and support any Democrat that under, is running against Chip Lamarca. He will not support a Democrat running against him. They're under publicly, this fear. Publicly. They are afraid that somehow Chip is going to withhold funds or not get things that they want done, done. And, and Chip would never come out and support a Democrat. Right. And he wouldn't do it behind the scenes either. No. So like, why in the world yeah. would you, and why would, if he's your friend, and this is politics, you don't think your friend would understand that you're going to publicly yeah. support the Democrat? Sorry, That's dude. part of your party? No. Yeah. It's an old boys club. Give me a break. And they don't. So there's two women who ran against Chippewa and neither one of them got the public support from elected officials in Broward County like they fucking should have. Like they deserved shame. it. They and meanwhile, it. then he goes up to Tallahassee and he does damage against the communities that these people say they represent. It's. Bafangul, Tina. I know. Is that right? Did I say that yeah. right? Yeah. Thank Ooh. you. Oh, oh, hi. Ooh, hi. So the last <gasps> thing, because we're running in 15 minutes, but okay. is that Judge Cooper 
in the state of motherfucking oh, Florida. Hi, bitch. Yes. Hi. This is why the courts are so important. <laughs> we but, need that. but but this this is I think a Republican judge. Good, but I'm saying this but is this is the, we need judges are usually yes fucking fair law and objective. They look at the and law. they only look at the law. Yes. And uh, Representative Rayner. Michelle Rayner, who we've had on the on oh, Little Muck, she's amazing. amazing. She went through on her Twitter, you can look at feeds, and she's like, ooh, I love a thorough judge. She's yes. like, this guy went through everything. Anyway, Judge Cooper threw out the DeSantis um, yes. anti-mask mandate, yes. basically. He was, all these school boards, inclu- starting yeah, in Broward Yeah, he's like, County. you can't threaten them. Yes, we're saying that they were. he's going to take you their pay wi- away. Yeah, you can't withhold they, funds. And, and they can't make decisions on their own schools. And the judge is like, based on your shitty parental b- bill of rights that you have, yeah. they're allowed to do this. Yeah. And you're not allowed to withhold their pay. So, Ooh, and he's I love all these court cases, oh, by the way. All these I laws love, are though, losing I in I love, courts. though, that he's like uh, going to, of course, appeal it. Well, go it's ahead. A, but, but he's wasting time and money of this office for his own political platform. Meanwhile, if he if he didn't appeal it, nobody would know the difference. Like, no, no. we are no, now we are now on to the next thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. every time you see something hit the news cycle, this could go away in a news cycle yeah. and it would not do any further damage. And whoever's uh, giving him this this advice to go f- keep appealing it. It is bad. 60% of Floridians and a lot of Republicans in there don't want, uh, don't want the governor telling school boards what to do. They don't no. agree with that. He's going to take their pay away and they want masks in schools. Yes. 60%. These are voters. Yes. That's enough to get you out of office. Yes. So keep fucking around then. Keep it uh, up. Keep it up. Please. Nikki Freed needs to win. Well, I saw a great article. Mm. I think it was in Politico where it said, the title was Florida is turning on DeSantis. And I was like, please, oh, I God, saw that. I saw please, that. God, please, know, please make please. this true. Oh, All but right, there's listen. still a long time and people have yeah, those. And short there's a memories. lot of time for him to continue to do. He's holding a line that I don't understand and politically makes Ugh. no fucking sense. He makes just no disgusting. sense. No. Yeah. Let him dig the grave. Yeah. Well, I went skating this week and I, and also, which was amazing. And no, BDE was doing his thing, honey. <gasps> Tricks on the on the roller rink floor, which is amazing. Nice. And um, I did. I've been running a lot, but I'm plateauing on my weight loss. So I'm like, I have to do something else. I have to start doing something else. So I did this workout this morning called oh. a high intensity something something. It's HIT H I I T. Oh, oh, I think I've heard of this. Holy shit! They're on YouTube. Like you can get them on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, you watch videos. My God. I'm no. like sore all over. Really? Yes. Oh, see, I can't. But I was thinking like, is this replaces a run? I don't know. I mean, it was 30 minutes. It was like constantly yeah. cardio, whatever. But I got to do something else because if I'm plateauing, I, 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 I got I to punch it up a little bit. I want to be bones basically by Halloween. No. Halloween bones. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> With just skin, flabby skin <laughs> floating off of my bones. Oh my God. I know. Okay, <laughs> are we ready? Even if that happens, I still wouldn't be the scariest thing in Florida. So that's good. <laughs> Tina, laugh. It's no. Funny. <laughs> You're beautiful. You're beautiful. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'm first. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to tell you about the battle for Blair Mountain. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> this is a very Tina story. As I was doing it, I'm like, this is something Tina would totally cover. You would love it. All right, are you ready? Yes. Okay, so the Battle of Blair Mountain was the largest labor uprising in the United States <gasps> history and the largest armed uprising since the American Civil War. What? Incredible. So this is a coal miners. They rise up because of these yes. poor working conditions. Beginning in 1870 to 1880, coal, coal operators had established the company town system, right? So they find a mine or wherever they're going to mine, and they start building. They put a bank in, like, the companies yeah. do this. They put buildings and houses, to, and they own the town, God, right? So capitalism. can you imagine what that's like for the people who work there, yeah. right? It's not fair. No. Nothing's fair. No. Um, greed, 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 yeah. greed, greed. And it's they disgusting. had, yeah, and they paid private detectives as well as public law enforcement agents what? to ensure that union organizers were kept out of the region. Wow. In order to accomplish this objective, agents of the coal operators used intimidation, harassment, espionage, and even murder. Wow. Yeah. So they're trying to say, you workers are here, and if anybody tries to come in and unionize these yeah. guys to say, hey, you're being exploited, yeah, uh, they're run out of town yes. or 
Yeah. Wow. And paying law enforcement too. Wow. Right. So there's really like no fair. Yeah. Okay. So since the founding of the United Mine Workers Union in 1890, coal mines in Mingo County, West Virginia, and its surrounding areas hired only non-union workers and strictly enforced <sighs> employment contracts that included union membership as grounds for immediate termination. Wow. So as miners in the area lived almost exclusively in company towns, termination also meant eviction, right? So, so if you even sniffed around a union, you're thrown out of your house, you got family there, your kids, your wife, yeah, like, and everybody's out. And you got to go. Yeah. Um, in 1920, which also keeps people in line. Right. Right? Like they know they're going to lose their house. And Where in those areas, go? the only place most people can work are right. in those mines right. or connected to those mines in some way. Right. And it's dangerous work. Mm. Like it's oh not safe. God. So, and, There's and a, these guys aren't, you know, they're not putting safety precautions in. No. No. So in 1920, the UMW, which is the union, uh, their new president, John L. Lewis, sought to finally end the three-decade resistance to unionization in the area. He was under increased pressure to do so from both miners elsewhere participating in the United Mine Workers Coal Strike of 1919 and from affected mine operators who were now being undercut by non-union mines in West Virginia. Over 3,000 Mingo County miners joined the union and and then were fired. The coal companies then hired agents of the Baldwin Felt Detective Agency to evict the families of their former employees. Oh. On May 19, 1920, a dozen Baldwin Felt detectives, including Lee Felt, arrived in uh, Madawan and connected with Lee's brother, Albert Felt. And Albert and Lee were the brothers of Thomas Felt. He was the co-owner and the director of the, de- director of the detective agency. Albert had already been in the area and had some time had and had tried to bribe Mayor Cabell Testerman with five hundred dollars to place machine guns on the roofs of the town, <gasps> and the mayor machine refused. Gun. Yeah, because they were going to start shooting the place up. Holy that afternoon, crap. Albert and Lee, along with eleven other men, set out to, to the Stone Mountain Coal Company property. The first family they evicted was a woman and her children. The woman's husband was not home at the time because he was at work. Right. Yeah. They forced them out at gunpoint and threw their belongings in the road under rain while it was raining outside. The miners who saw it were furious and they sent word into town. As the agents walked to the train station to leave town, police chief Sid Hatfield and a group of deputized miners confronted them and told them they were under arrest. Albert Feltz replied that, in fact, he had a warrant for Hatfield's arrest. So he says, I'm going to arrest the sheriff, this fucking random asshole in the detective agency so the mayor was alerted and he ran out into the street after a miner shouted that sid had been arrested which is the wow. which is the police chief hatfield backed into the store and testament asked to see the warrant after reviewing it mayor testament exclaimed quote this is a bogus warrant end quote with those words a gunfight erupted and chief hatfield shot the agent albert feltz testament and albert and lee feltz were among the 10 men killed so the mayor's killed and these two of these these Detectives. This is insane. Yeah. And Hatfield, like, is this like, you remember the Hatfield? And I don't think it's the same, but I, I like, it's a yeah. part of this crazy, like crazy family line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There's a great Hatfield and McCoy movie. I think it's got on Netflix. Oh, I'll have to look it up after. It's really good though. Um, so three from the town were killed and seven from the agency. The gunfight became known as the Matawan Massacre, and its symbol, its symbolic significance was enormous for the miners. They, this, they, the seemingly invincible detective agency Baldwin Feltz had been beaten, right? So now they're like, yeah. oh. And now they're like, oh, yeah, this, we, we're not under the, yes. the thumb and rule of this. Yes, we yes. can um, you know, bind, uh, bind bound together and, yeah. and, and, and fight. Yeah. This reminds me of... Um, of course, I'm going to reference a book, but um, you know how well, I, when I say balderdash, yeah. <laughs> it comes from um, uh, Zola's book Germinal. That t- it was it takes it's a French novel, but it takes place in the mines there, mm. and, and it's like uh, this black, you know, the, the 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 army covered in their soot, yeah, and the sea germinating, and like they building up their power to strike back, and mm. yeah, I love that. So good. Yeah, I rem- I read it like twice in like a week. It's and it's like a thousand pages, Jesus. and I read it twice. Like, I loved it so much. Oh my god! Yeah, read it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Germinal Zola. 
Okay, so um, Chief Sid Hatfield became an immediate legend and hero to the Union miners and a symbol of hope that the oppression of coal operators and their hired guns could be overthrown. Throughout the summer and into the fall of 1920, the Union gained strength in Mingo County, as did the resistance of the coal operators. Sporadic shootouts occurred up and down the Tug River. In late June, state police under the command of Captain Brockus raided the Lick Creek Tent Colony near Williamson. Miners were said to have fired on Brockus and Martin's men, from the colony, and in response, the state police shot and arrested miners, ripped the canvas tents to shreds, and scattered the mining mining family's belongings. Wow! All into the river. So how? I wonder how they're like still getting paid. Like where do yeah. the banks? Well, I like, think this isn't this isn't all the miners, right? right. So like so some, it's like bands of miners yeah, that yeah, are yeah. that are revolting. So, so, so there are people who are still going in. Um, and probably getting a lot of shit from these other guys, you know? Yeah. So both sides were bolstering their arms, and Sid Hatfield continued to fuel the resistance, specifically by converting Testament's jewelry store into a gun shop. <laughs> On January 26, 1921, the trial of Hatfield for killing Albert Feltz began, right? So he's oh, got to go to trial no. now. Yeah. And it was in the national spotlight and brought much attention to the miners' cause. Hatfield's stature and mythical status grew as the trial proceeded. He posed and talked to reporters, fanning the flames of his own legend. All men were acquitted in the end, but (gasps) overall the union was facing significant setbacks. 80% of mines had reopened with imported replacements and Mm. ex-strikers who signed yellow dog contracts to return to work. You know, that. Yeah, these are the guys crossing the picket line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In mid-May... Wow. I know. But I, I mean, people are in a tough situation. Yeah. They got to eat. Yeah. They got to feed their families. They got to live. Yeah. I mean, you know. God. I know. Oh, that sucks. It reminds and they me call of the it guys, yellow dog? Yellow dogs. So you remember the guys, when I did the story about the veterans who went to D.C. and they were setting up that yes. camp? It reminds me of that, too. Like, yes. if they hadn't done that, would they have any of those rights that they have today, even? You know? Wow. I know. In mid-May 1921, Union miners launched a full-scale assault on non-Union mines. In a short time, the conflict had consumed the entire Tug River Valley. This uh, was called, quote, the Three Days Battle, which finally ended by a a flag of truce and the implementation of martial law. Oh, (laughs) that's that's their compromise. From the beginning, the the miners perceived the enforcement of martial law as one-sided. Hundreds of miners were arrested. The smallest of infractions could mean imprisonment, while those on the side of, quote, law and order were seen as immune. Oh, God. It just never ends. No. The miners responded with guerrilla tactics and sabotage. (laughs) In the midst of this tense situation. Oh, are they sabotaging the mines? Yes. Oh, no. Yes. In the midst of the tense situation, Hatfield traveled to McDoyle County on August 1st, 1921 to stand trial on charges of dynamiting a coal (gasps) tipple. So a coal tipple, it looks like scaffolding, like on the side of a building, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's, it's at the front of the, of the mine and it kind of keeps everything up. So he blew one of those up. (gasps) Well, he was charged with that. Wow. So he goes to the court. So, I mean, they're putting these other non-unionized miners at risk. That's true. But but it's a cause, like I get it. Yeah. Wow. Maybe they tried to do it so it wouldn't, maybe well, nobody I, was in the mine when it blew up. Who knows? Uh, who knows? I don't know. Who, who knows? knows? So um, along with him traveled a good friend, Ed Chambers, and their wives. As they walked up the courthouse stairs, unarmed and flanked by their wives, a group of Baldwin Feltz <gasps> agents standing at the top of the stairs opened fire. No! Hatfield was killed at, instantly. At the courthouse? At the courthouse. No! At the courthouse. Where he's going to like hear yes. about his trial. No! Killed him. <gasps> Killed him. Chambers wow. was Chambers was bullet riddled and rolled to the bottom of what the stairs. The wives? Hold on. Oh shit. He rolled to the bottom of the stairs. Despite Sally Chambers' protest, one of the agents ran down the stairs and shot Chambers once more, <gasps> point blank in the back of the head. Wow. Killed him. Wow. I mean, that's he, they executed him. Yes. Wow. Hatfields and Chambers' bodies were returned to Matawan, and word of the slang spread through the mountains. The miners, angry that Hatfield had been murdered. I mean, this is their Well, and then he's got this mythic status. Hello. Wow. They heard that he had been murdered, and knowing the assassins would escape punishment, began to take up arms and pour out of their mountain settlements. Ooh. Miners along the Little Coal River were among the first to organize and began actions such as patrolling and guarding the area. Sheriff Don Chafin sent Logan County troopers to the Little Coal river area where armed miners captured the troopers disarmed them and sent them fleeing Ooh. on august 7th 1921 by the way this is all because this is now this story is 100 it was 100 years old at the beginning in august wow so this happened 100 years ago 
So on August 7th, 1921, the leaders of the United Mine Workers District 17, which encompasses much of the southern West Virginia, called a rally at the state capitol in Charleston. These leaders were Frank Kinney and Fred Mooney, who were veterans of mine previous mine conflicts in the region. Both were local, well-read, and articulate. Keeney and Mooney met with Governor Ephraim Morgan and presented him with a petition of the miners' demands. When Morgan rejected the demands, the miners became more restless and began to talk of a march on Mingo to free the confined miners, end martial law, and organize the county. I mean, what could their demands have been? You know, like decent pay, yeah. probably shorter hours. Yeah. Come on. You don't get to throw us out of the fucking yeah. house, maybe. Who knows? I mean... It, Please. And they probably have no masks on. You know, they're breathing oh my that God. shit in. Yeah, they're all going to no, die yeah, anyway. The, of uh, what? Black Oh, lungs. my God. Yeah. But Blair Mountain, Logan County, and Sheriff Chafin stood directly in the way of them being able to go through and, of like, course. get these eyes out. So, the Battle of Blair Mountain. Wow. Uh, At a rally on August 7th, uh, 1921, Mary Harris, or Mother Jones, they called her Mother Jones, called on the miners not to march into Logan and Mingo counties and set up the union by force. Accused by some of losing her nerve, she feared a bloodbath in a battle between lightly armed union forces and the more heavily alarmed Logan, Logan County deputies. Yet, feeling Morgan had lied to them again, armed men began gathering at Lens Creek Mountain near Marmot in Kanawha County on August 20th. Four days later, an estimated 13,000 people had gathered and began marching towards Logan <gasps> County. So all these miners, 13,000 yes. miners. Impatient, yes. <laughs> impatient to get to the fighting, miners near St. Albans in Kanawha County commandeered a Chesapeake and Ohio freight train <gasps> Renamed by the miners the Blue Steel Special. What? To, to meet up the... They took a fucking train, bitch. Wow. <laughs> they it. stole a train. To meet up with advanced column of marches, marchers at Danville in Boone County on their way to what they called Bloody Mingo. Wow. They're going to fight, right? During this time, Keeney and Mooney fled to Ohio while the fiery Bill Blizzard, Blizzard assumed quasi-leadership of the miners. So this guy, uh, Blizzard was always with them. He was one of their leaders, but he kind of, so these two guys who were the head of the union were like, may we're yes. not fighting. And they and take then this off. Other guys like, okay, guys like, fuck it. I'll do it. So, wow. uh, meanwhile, the anti-union sheriff Chafin had begun to set up defenses on Blair mountain. He was supposed supported financially by the Logan County coal operators association, oh, of course, creating the nation's Ugh. largest private armed force of nearly 2000 people. Wow. Oh yeah. But they have 13,000. This is true. Uh Oh, the first skirmishes occurred on the morning of August 25th. The bulk of the miners were still 15 miles away. The following day, President Warren Harding threatened to send in federal troops and Army Martin MB1 bombers. <gasps> to stop these miners? Why yeah. doesn't he say, what's going on over there? Yeah. Let's try to mediate this. I mean, come on. Please. So after a long meeting in Madison, the seat of Boone County, the miners were convinced to return home, but the struggle was far from over. After spending days assembling his private army, Chafin would not be denied his battle to end union attempts at organizing <gasps> Logan County coal miners. So these guys are like, all right, all right fine. You know, and, we'll but, go. No, but now, this, yeah. now he's like, no, 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 no. Toxic I'm, bitch. I'm going to make this end. <laughs> Toxic masculinity in 1921. Yes. <laughs> we're going to have a fight. I'm going to fight you anyway. Yeah. I'm here. Why not fight? Within hours of the Madison decision, rumors around that rumors abound that Chafin's men had shot Union sympathizers in the town of Sharples, just north of Blair Mountain, and that families had been caught in cross crossfire during the skirmishes. Infuriated, the miners turned back toward Blair Mountain, many traveling in other stolen and com commandeered trains. By August wow. 29th, which is today, on Sunday, uh, the battle was fully joined. Chafin's Ooh. men, though outnumbered, had the advantage of higher positions and better weaponry. Private planes were hired to drop homemade bombs on the miners. What? Yes. Homemade bombs? Yes. A combination of poison gas <gasps> and explosive bombs left over from World no. War I. No! Poison in, gas! Were dropped in several locations near no. the towns of Jeffrey, Sharples, and Blair. <gasps> but there's other people living in those towns. It's not just these miners. I... Listen, wow. I know. What I, is going on, United States? <laughs> because they want better hours. I mean, <laughs> they want have, yeah. maybe give them a little bit of health care. Yeah. <laughs> we should just bomb people. Wow. At least one did not explode and was recovered by the <gasps> miners. It was used months later to great effect as evidence for the defense during treason and murder trials. <gasps> Because no one's getting away with this bullshit. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah. On orders from General Billy Mitchell, by the way, do you know who Billy Mitchell is? Like, not this guy, but a different Billy Mitchell? Did you ever see the movie King of Kong? 
No. <gasps> you got to watch it with your kids. Okay. You've got to watch this movie with your kids. King of Kong is a movie about this guy who wants to beat the Donkey Kong record. Oh. And the Donkey Kong record, like on the old like yeah. stand-up yeah, yeah, um, yeah, arcade yeah, yeah. games, is held by a guy named Billy Mitchell who lives where? Down here in South Florida. Oh. Like fucking Hollywood. And no. he's like from the 80s and he's this like legend, like uh, Atari, like whatever, video gamer. Yes. And so this guy who's like in his garage in Seattle is like, I want to do this. I want to beat this score. And he practices. And one day you have to videotape yourself doing it. He beats the fucking <gasps> game and beats the score of Billy Mitchell. Well, Billy Mitchell ain't having that. So it goes back and forth no. between these two guys. It is so fucking, I've met Billy Mitchell <gasps> at a video game what? place here. <laughs> so I'll give you the, I'll send you the picture. He's incredible. I mean, he's a bit of a bad guy in the movie, but uh, legend, legend, legend. This is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so when I saw Billy Mitchell, I'm like, hey now, Donkey Kong. And he's got, I think he holds a Pac-Man, the Miss Pac-Man record. Wow. And he owns a chicken wing place. What? That my friend Lauren, who, Lauren and Nick, who I'm going to go see in Michigan, we went there to like see if the guy was there and he wasn't there, but we, he had a Pac-Man game in chicken wing place. Oh my God. I love this. Girl, uh, you have to watch King of Kong. The I kids would love it. it. They would love it. Okay. Okay. Anyway. So it's this, on my list. This guy, General Billy Mitchell. <laughs> um, so on his orders, army bombers from Maryland were also on used for aerial surveillance. So they're watching everything happening from above. And one of the Martin bomber bombers crashed on his return flight killing through <gasps> three crew members i mean this is fucking insane this i, I insane. can't even believe that they that they allowed I know. planes to fly in and bomb yes a u.s town this is like philadelphia people. remember the yes, bombing of yes, the philadelphia? yes jesus on august 30th uh, morgan appointed colonel william eubanks of west virginia's national guard to command the government and volunteer forces confronting the miners sporadic gun battles continued for a week with the miners at one time nearly breaking through to the town of Logan and their target destinations, the non-unionized counties to the South Logan and Mingo. Up to 30 deaths were reported by Chafin side and 50 to 100 of the union minor side with hundreds more My injured God. or wounded. I mean, they, these are, these are citizens that mm -hmm. are now in battle. Yeah. For a corporation, by this the way, the government's fighting for a corporation yeah. side. Chafin's forces. Like always. Yeah. Federal troops arrived by September, um, uh, by September 2nd, the miners, many of whom were veterans themselves, were unwilling to fire on U.S. troops because, right? Yes. This is just like the oh other one. Oh, my God. I know, I know. Bill oh B Blizzard passed the word for the miners to start heading home the following day. Miners fearing jail and confiscation of their guns found clever ways to hide rifles and handguns in the woods before leaving Logan County. Some were found later, along with many spent and live cartridges, which helped archaeologists reconstruct the course of the fighting. Wow. Just so fucking cool. After the battle, 985 miners were indicted for murder, conspiracy <gasps> to commit murder, accessory to murder, and treason with, against what? the state of West Virginia. But what about the state? Please. Though some, some were acquitted by sympathetic juries, others were imprisoned <gasps> for years. No. The last was paroled in 1925. They're just defending themselves. At Blizzard's trial, the unexploded bomb was used as evidence of the government and company's brutality, and he was acquitted. Oh, my God. So the aftermath. In the short term, the battle was an overwhelm overwhelming victory for the coal industry owners and management. UMW membership plummeted from oh. more than 50,000 miners to approximately 10,000 over the next several years and was not until 1935, following the Great Depression and the beginning of the New Deal under President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, that the UMW fully organized in South southern west virginia this union this union defeat had major implications on them as a whole and after world war one as the coal industry began to collapse union mining was no longer financially sustainable because of the defeat in west virginia the union was also undermined in pennsylvania and kentucky mm. by the end of 1925 illinois was the only remaining un unionized state that could compete with with them in terms of soft coal production in the long term, the battle raised awareness of the appalling conditions miners faced in the dangerous West Virginia coal fields. It also led to a change in union tactics in political b battles in, to get law on labor side by confronting uh, the abusive management of these companies. Oh my God. This eventually resulted in a much larger organized labor victory in year, few, a few years later during the New Deal in 1933. That in turn led to the UMWA helping organize many better known unions such as the steelworkers during the mid-30s. In the final analysis, Spanish's success was a victory that helped lead to a much larger and stronger organized labor movement 
and many other industries and labor union affiliations and umbrella organizations such as the American Federation of Labor and Congress of in- Industrial Organizations. Mm. So these are like ones that are still around today. Yeah. I mean, but it took it took almost a decade yeah. for for the union and for them to be able to to unionize. Yeah. At the end after all of this. And, and none of them and, are held and, responsible. I mean, the black lung Oh my God! That these people suffer and the hours that went on for for years. years. I mean, this is still a thing in West Virginia, isn't it? I think so. I think so too. Terrible, but it's a generational thing. Like if you if your dad worked in the coal mines, well, yeah, well, yeah, and if that's like that's the only thing happening in those towns, and then when these coal mines are now, you know, no longer being abused, there's there's this whole sort of communities of people with like that's all that they know. Yeah, you know. Yes. And that's why it would be great to bring in different forms of energy procurement mm. to teach a new trade for solar or for, you know, windmills, whatever, because yeah. people still need jobs. Yeah. Oh, I hate the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's well, hear it. Well, my story, I, I, I like my story this week. It's, it's funny. Oh, good. Because I, some, I, I think it's funny. All okay. Right. So today... I'm going to tell you the story of former Rye County School Board member and former U.S. congressional candidate mm. for New Hampshire, Gary Dodds. D-O-D-D-S? D-O-D-D-S. Okay. Okay. So Gary Dodds made a name for himself in New Hampshire political circles and served on the Rye County School Board, but mm. when Dodds disappears in the middle of his campaign, investigators reveal that there may be more to the story than meets the eye. Oh, my God. <gasps> What? It's so, this story is so ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So our story is in New Hampshire, the yes. Granite State, one of the 13 colonies. You know, it's been there a long time. Yeah. So um, I don't have too much background on Dodds. Uh, the backpacker reported that he was raised by a single mom after his alcoholic father left the family. They were poor. He worked his way through college. He earned a bachelor's and a master's degree. I believe the master's was like in public administration or something like that. He was married. He had two girls. He was a successful businessman. He had started buying and flipping properties, and he even started like a home and garden magazine. Oh, my gosh. And he spent a lot of his free time volunteering for his church uh, and as a volunteer firefighter, and he eventually earns that seat on the Rye County School Board. And the Laconian Sun reported on Dodds' 2006 congressional run, referring to him as taking the, quote, progressive liberal high ground. Hmm. Um, so he was a Dem who leaned pretty left. Um, back when he was running in 2006, it was universal health care. He was calling for the end of the war in Iraq and, you know, things like that. So let's get into it. Oh, my God. All right. So according to John McCarthy <laughs> of the Virgin Island Free Press, on April 5th, 2006, so this is in the middle of his campaign run. Okay. So he's running for this congressional seat. Right. Dodds' car crashed into a guardrail. In the middle of winter, there was this, even though it was April, but there was this like snowstorm that had happened. So it's still sort of wintry weather. I wouldn't know when it snows anyway. So that sounds right. I have no idea. And he wandered off with an apparent head injury. Ooh. Almost drowned in a nearby river. What? And was finally found about 27 hours later. The case file on this, which um, I'll have in our notes, offers a lot of detail. So you can like go through and, and read that, but I'll give you some highlights. But apparently... There was a witness who saw the accident, called 911, and when she went back to the scene, the car was empty. So she sees this accident happen, you know, it's, 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 the weather isn't so great. She calls 911 and like really pretty quickly goes back to the car and she is surprised that the driver of the car Wonder what's in this car. Is there something in the car? So, um, you know, the airbags had deployed everything, you know, and she sees some foot you know, yeah. footsteps <laughs> in the snow. And she's like, where is this guy? And Jesus. so, so um, uh, paramedics, firefighters, they show up, they search, they can't find this guy. Wow. They search by land, by sea, by air, like Dang. helicopters, like they're, they're looking cause there's a river there. So, you know, they're searching the water. Like it's this ex- extensive. I mean, if you're trying to sh- not be search. conspicuous, you should just stay in the car. This is now ob- overblown looking for you. Yeah. Like now it's out of control. Now it's out of control. Yeah. So, so there's no trace of the guy. So the AP reported that uh, Dodds' story was, so 27 hours later, they find him. 
um, he's like under um, the Eagle Tribune stated that he was found under a pile of leaves. I don't know why. That's what? So funny. <laughs> oh my God. <gasps> he was like under freezing. A, he's under a pile of yeah, leaves. Yeah, he was probably freezing. Freezing. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's just. That's it just is. Sounded. It's funny. It's about you, a, but you know why it's funny? Because you're imagining him laying like, down like, and like <laughs> pushing, like pulling the leaves pulling on top the leaves of him. On yeah, top he's probably of like him. freezing. So uh, he's a mile away from the crash site. So oh. remember, they had, they had searched everywhere. Where the fuck? And um, he's missing one of his shoes, and he's supposedly like in and out of consciousness when they find Jesus. him. Jesus! And the this AP is the worst came of hide and seek <laughs> I've ever fucking heard. Yeah. So the AP reported that Dodds' story was that he had waded through the icy river. He was confused from like hitting his head. Oh no! Um, and at the time of his disappearance, ABC News reported he was six three. He was one hundred and eighty pounds. Some reports Jesus, said huge. that he had did like martial arts regularly, so he was Dang, like you know like yeah, yeah. like an in shape guy. So here's the thing. Uh oh. <laughs> no. Here's the As thing. several papers at the time reported, the police didn't feel like things added up with Dodds's story after the rescue. So they opened up an investigation because they God. find him and they're like, What is going on? It just on? doesn't, there's yeah. something seems off. I so, can't guess. I'm trying to guess. Yeah. Like, so what this when they find him, paramedics get to work, right? They take his temperature because he has been out in yeah. the freezing cold. They check out his feet because he said uh, he had waded through the river and all of this. And that's when they start to think things are a little fishy. The Eagle Tribune explained that at his ankle and below. Yeah. His feet were shriveled up, right? Yeah. But the skin <laughs> above the ankle was normal. So it's just his feet. So, so, so just his feet just were in his, the water? Just his feet are shriveled up, but the rest of his skin, normal temp. And when they take his like actual temperature, like if someone's been out in the cold and hyperthermia and all of that, there would be, you know, a specific temperature, but his temperature was normal. And then when they took it like 20 minutes later, like it had barely gone up. Like, so this is an X-Files episode. So there, it's something is weird, yeah. right? And so they didn't understand... For someone, you know, and these are paramedics who have dealt with people who course, are, are cold, out in the elements and all of this. Idiot, yes. yeah. Some someone who, you know, like uh, out. like Polly and yeah. uh, Michael yeah. out in the. Dina, that's why you think it's funny because of the episode of The Sopranos. That's who I was thinking of. They're, they're running through the running through the snow. They're ripping up the rugs. They're eating ketchup. Yeah, they're, they're they're cold, right? Oh my so, god. So. So for someone who was cold and wet for over a day for 27 hours in, in, in what was a snowstorm, like it, the paramedics are like, this isn't right. And so the other thing is, so while his feet, like I said, um, and, and he had that one shoe on, like the cops even said, like when they took that shoe off, they poured water out of the shoe. The rest of his clothes were completely dry. Well, he, but he's in the snow. He's, he's completely dry. This right? is so, it's what, so Tina, weird. What is going on? So Talking Points Memo reported that, you know, like I said, that, that they poured water. How could the rest of his body be dry if he was out in the snow and crossing a river? The case files further notes that Dodds claimed he couldn't remember what happened. So oh. he's like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Again, <laughs> Not another here's the thing. Another the Associated one? Press wrote that Dodds spent up to 10 hours soaking his feet to oh. add credibility to his story oh. that he nearly drowned in the river. So he was, he was, wait, before the car crash? So after the car crash, he just he stood goes, in the river. No, he goes somewhere. Oh. And he soaks his feet for 10 hours. Then he goes back to the scene and he's like, oh, here, help me. Here I am. Where did he go? Conveniently, right before the 11 o'clock news reporting, uh, like that's when he's found, like primetime news time. This was a stunt for political for campaign? This was a political stunt to get sympathy votes. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> this is not what I wanted. This, this is, is not what I wanted. This is what happened. So the defense attorney, Thomas Filarity, had this to say. Gary Dodd says he's the victim here. He says he's a survivor. He survived a huge ordeal. This was supposed to be a hero story. Instead, when state police and other agencies began to pick away at it, it turned into this criminal case, the hero story that was supposed to gain publicity for a failed campaign. This is the dumbest it's thing the I've dumbest ever fucking thing. heard. And Dodds' attorney, so he goes, I mean, they spent 
over like twenty uh, some thousand dollars in oh, resources to no. try to find him. Oh, you know what I mean. So it's one thing you want to try to like you you know get some attention for your campaign, but you're using resources. This a whole idea is so <laughs> stupid. stupid thing. But like, crash your car. Yeah, crash your car. Now you're missing and everyone's going to go, oh. But, but, so so he's, and then the, the best thing is like that after this accident and, and like before really the police, you know, uh, said, hey, we're coming. He was like limping around. Oh, at like the that's So this, <laughs> this is what I want. I want to see the footage of him being like, I was freezing oh in the my cold. God. It was so cheesy. So Dodds' attorney, J.P. Naidu, said, this is a case about a man wrongfully accused of something so absurd a genius couldn't plan it. Oh, please. But the story gets even juicier. Oh, God, please. I need something so else. If he was missing dumb. for 27 hours, where was he? Like, where did he go soak his feet? Yeah. Allegedly, Dodds was canoodling with his mistress. Oh, stupid so ass. The Eagle Tribune offers a lot of detail on the incident. The woman, Allison Spruce, was Dodds' employee and his tenant. And conveniently, <laughs> right near where the wreck happened was this building that he owned. This, they, they called the mansion. Mm. And so... That's where he supposedly was. And I guess police at one point like had knocked on the door and some guy answered and it was, I think it was Dodds. And then he like oh. just answered through the door and he, then he claimed like that wasn't him. And like, I don't know who that man could have been. And then Allison is like, oh, I would know if there was someone in my house. Uh, I don't know who that could be. Like it was the so dumbest idea I've ever heard. But so well, how, why would you get into an accident and then wander out? Where are you going? Like, how is this a fucking sympathy? I don't understand what so he the was people, thinking. I, I guess so people go, wow, look, he survived hours out in the snow, this poor guy. And it would give him news attention. And then, like, his name would be out there before the this election This is the cycle. dumbest idea ever. It's so ridiculous. So Foster's adds some more details that supposedly there was this underground tunnel that led from Cuts Cove, that's where the accident oh, took place, okay. and the property. And what's funny is the Boston Globe reported that in 2000, Dodds spoke about it. There was an interview about the property and this, oh, and he, he was, he yeah, knew he knew. Cause in the, in, in the 2006 years prior, he says, quote, Roy Jones, whose family was the last single family to live there said, you could walk in the tunnel standing up until the edge of the property. Then you could crawl the rest of the way. Oh my God. So that's God. what they basically said, like he must've done. Oh my God. And then throughout this Dodds, of course, said that this was quote, po a, a politically motivated witch hunt. Oh, <laughs> I can't stand these motherfuckers who say this shit. And on the day that he disappeared, so his wife allegedly said that she didn't know anything about this. Mm. And when they, um, you know, said, hey, your husband's missing. And, you know, during She's all like, of this. Riddance. Go check no, his she said that this was a deliberate act of someone wanting to hurt her husband. Ugh. And then later said, like, oh, he didn't have a girlfriend. He didn't do drugs. He doesn't drink. Like, he's this good guy. Uh-oh. Wait, did you think she knew? Do you think she knew about all that? I think, I, I mean... But can I say something? If your husband's missing, are you like, it's a conspiracy? Somebody's against him. A, why would you? Why, why would you that? say that? That was the yeah. thing that people were like, it's, a little, it's a little weird that she said that. Yeah. Who's against you? And then this part is funny, too, is during the trial, Aaron Sanborn wrote that allegedly a toll booth worker may have seen Dodds changing clothes in the back of an SUV, like the night of the car crash. Like he saw someone changing his clothes. I mean, if you're going to do this, crash the car and then lay in the snow or lay in the river. They're going to come find you. Yeah. Just do it. Why are you going somewhere else? It's the stupidest thing. I mean, and to, to, to try to pump life into this failing congressional yeah. campaign. You, like, you obviously shouldn't run if you, yeah. don't, if you can't if get you, cut Yeah. It. If you need to do this. Yeah. Like it, maybe you need to say, I need to step out of this yeah. race or yes. just like, I'm not going to win. There were and, four people he was up against. And... What are you doing? How does he sneak? Oh, he used the tunnel. I was going to say, how does he sneak yeah, no. back into the park? Yeah, he used the tunnel. Oh, my gosh. Because he, he has to get tunnel. around the cops who are yeah. all looking for him. Yeah. It's so stupid. And the thing is, um, <laughs> the other issue with this campaign is oh. that he had dumped a lot of his own oh, personal money. And once that, that happens, yeah. forget it. If you can't get people to donate to you and Hello. support your campaign, like, what are you doing? So he had like a hundred some thousand dollars. But 90 plus thousand of that was his own money. And he had taken out like money on, you know, uh, on his, on his house and, Oof. you know, and that's it. Like 
So he probably was like, oh my He's God, desperate. like I'm, I'm desperate. Yeah. I had put all this money in and now I'm not going to win. And then, then, then you still got to pay that money. If you can't name five people from the community who have asked you to run, then you shouldn't run. And right. that's what, that's what it is. A lot of these right. people just run because they, they think they're going to be great. Well, who, right. fi- who else thinks you're going to be great? Yeah. Name five people. And, you and can if tell you me can't, who asked you, you to can't run. get money, like that's right. That's you, it. Yeah. If you people can't give you money, it's an unfortunate part of the, of running. You got to call, but you have to raise uh, money. You have yeah, to do you it. You have to do it. P.S. He came in third out of fourth with those oh, gems running. My. <laughs> I mean, it didn't even work. It didn't, it didn't work. All right. So the charges were one, uh, uh, one count of false public alarms, one count of conduct after an accident, one count of falsifying physical evidence. Mm. So, as far as the sentencing, the Hill reported that he was sentenced to 20 days in jail with the remainder. So he had a one to four year sentence suspended, according to McCarthy of the Virgin Island Free Press. But he, uh, he only had to serve like 20 of those days, mm. which is not a big deal. No. And he was ordered to pay $21,500 in restitution for the search and rescue operation. Nice. I mean, he, he should, should do that. spend those 20 days out in the snow. So for real, like for real, stay in the snow for 20 right. days. So the aftermath. Okay. His story doesn't end. No. So this guy, instead of just taking this light ass sentence, right? 20 days. No, stop. Move on. He decides to beat his wife and that ends up landing him. What? More jail time. Yeah. His wife ends up. Yeah. He ends up calling. She ends up calling 911 and reporting like that he had like, uh, you know thrown her down no. and this and that. And so then because he had, yeah. So that kind of added him more time. Oh my God. In jail and his political career basically pretty much over. Oh. So some points of interest. Uh, I have a lot to say here because this guy is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, what a dick. As far as finding his way in the paper for a variety of crimes. Okay. Um, so it's fascinating because prior to this whole disappearance, he seemed kind of normal. Like he, you know, volunteer yeah, firefighter. He's having this life, no major run-ins. He yeah. had a good reputation. It sounds like all these bad things were building. The, the yeah. money stuff is a lot of pressure. There's no excuse for fucking yeah. putting your hands on somebody. But like all of those things seem to be building, building, building. And here we go. Yeah. So in 2008, like I said, he faces that, that uh, additional jail time for assaulting mm-hmm. his wife. And her claim was that in in an attempt to talk to him, he, quote, picked her up and threw her to the floor. In 2008, while he was in jail, he got in a jailhouse fight with uh, Leland Eisenberg, who um, I I would love to cover, uh, a Hillary Clinton campaign hostage taker. And allegedly, they fought over how government is structured, their respective crimes, and tattoos. And they got in this, like, fight, and he, like, landed in the paper for getting in this brawl with this guy, Jesus. Uh, Leland Eisenberg. In the 20 days he was in jail, he got into Well, a- I think for the additional time. Oh, because oh, oh, of the wife. Serve. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, according to Patch, in 2011, he got in trouble for cutting a city fence to make a gate for the property he owned that was up against that fence. So he had a property that butted up against city property and he didn't like that there was a fence there so he mm. cut the city's fence and mm. made like a gate and um he had to pay five hundred dollars to fix the fence so it's clear like he just wants yeah. to do whatever he That's wants right. to do well, who says i can right. do it um but despite Ugh. all the these you know felony charges and his uh i guess you're not allowed to get a liquor license if you have charges on you but okay. they gave him a liquor license that Ugh. was like a little thing that i found for some you know business that he had and then the latest, on August 23rd, 2020, the John, Mac- uh, John McCarthy of the Virgin Island Press reported that Dodds was arrested again, mm. this time in the Virgin Islands, and his crime, assaulting a woman and taking off with her cell phone. So another article from the Virgin Island Free Press reported that Dodds faced the following charges in that incident, aggravated assault and battery, second degree robbery, forcible and unlawful entry, and grand larceny. Grand larceny. So bizarre. I was like, what is this guy doing? Out of control. He had a $25,000 bail that he was supposed to pay. He couldn't pay it. So he was like sitting in jail in the, um, Virgin, Island. the Virgin Islands. So Seacoast Online added that he allegedly said to the woman prior to robbing her, quote, you don't belong here. They further reported that when she reached for her phone to call 911, that's when he pushed her into her apartment assaulted her he dragged her by her own hair (gasps) down a flight of stairs and the best part is that when they find her cell phone later because he tossed it he had taken a selfie of himself that was on the phone what the (laughs) 
What? What? Yes. Take a selfie. Take a selfie. And they saw his. This whole world is so upside down. We are. So, we are. That's not me. That's oh not me. Oh my god. We that's are so self-involved. You take a selfie on a stolen phone. Yes. Fucking idiot. What an idiot. So uh, that's the story. The disappearing candidate, Carrie oh, Dots. Nina. I saw this and I just laughed. I was like, who is this guy? I can't take it. I love I mean, to see a picture li- of him. His life, like he just, he, he just basically is off the, he's off yes. the rails. It's insane. He's something, off the rails for the switched. past 10, 12 years. Wow. Can't get it back. He's humiliated, really. <laughs> that's the story but it. it's funny because i'm watching i told you i think before we recorded that i started yes, watching tell me about clickbait this. so yes. i've only seen the first two episodes hbo Sorry, my mom told me she was netflix okay maybe it is netflix yeah my mom told me about it but i don't yeah. know what the show's about it's, it's essentially like this it, it starts off with this guy it's like a, this viral video and it's like if um and, and the guy's holding a sign like i'm an assaulter i you know and mm. it, and if um if this gets five million likes um will will kill him like that basically like so people like and then it goes viral and everyone's watching the video and the likes are and the family of the guy are like where is he oh they're freaking out they're like no he's not this person um but the thing that is funny like with this guy taking the selfie like people like the comments that they you know they're looking at the comments and they just automatically assume that he is this assaulter of women and they're mm. like he deserves to die and Jesus. they don't really know like his story we don't know at least at this point if it's true or not true but the thing that people do and then they want to try to find him like yes. and like in the community everyone's out looking Ooh. for him but but this social media thing and like what people say and how they just consume stuff yeah. without regard like that a person could potentially be killed. Oh my God. And, and that it says like, if this gets this many views or this many, no, it was views. If it gets 5 million views and that people are like, just watching it, watching it, watching it, like Jesus, you know? And I feel like people would probably still do that. Like, I feel like people would really do that. Of course. Just because like, they don't know if it's a joke or if it's real. And like, they don't, this disconnect, Mm. this disconnect. Well, yeah, there's a part of it that's like, I mean, there's, you know, how you can meet people off of apps. Like that's like a real connection, I guess, but still yeah. even on there, no, like I know you're people swiping a certain, that. yeah. But then, you know, on something like that, it is, there's an arm's length yeah. reach of this person. Like, is yeah, it real? Like, is it real? Oh, this is a publicity stunt. Like who knows? But yeah. So the sister is like kind of just a head case and, um, you know, he's married, he's got two kids. So, she, so he's missing and nobody knows. So so somebody, whoever put the video up is saying they're going to kill him. Yes. Did you ever watch Don't F With Cats? Don't Fuck yes. With Cats? Okay. Okay. I was recommended to oh. somebody recently and I was like, because it reminds me of, that reminds yes. me of this. Where there's internet spoofs Inter- so, that are yes. incredible. So, so that's, that's what that, so in the first episode, this kid is like, oh, there's this whole community that's analyzing. Yeah. Like the background and yes. like picking up clues and like that, that's how they kind of oh. find their way to these different yeah. things. But my mom said it's kind of, it reminds her of Mayor of Easttown where <gasps> it, I, love I love that. Mayor me too. Easttown. Me too. Where it jumps from like, you think it's this person or it could be that person, whoever's holding him or kills, I don't know, whatever yeah. happens. And they try to figure out, but it like jumps all over the place where you really never know who's doing yeah, it. Yeah. So I'm like still early on and mm. I'm hoping to it's like a limited series so it's short I don't know how many episodes but I'm hoping later today Mm. I'll put my headphones on and just that's listen relax and watch once I get all my yeah I have so many things to do so so when I leave here I go grocery shopping I go finish doing the fucking four loads of laundry I have to do every Sunday oh my god I have a kitten at my house (gasps) this little kitten that's right she's adorable she ran up to my boss in our yard at our office and she was like alone and and he's like, I don't, we can't, what are we going to do? <laughs> he loves cats. He's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. So we called this good karma pet yeah. rescue and signed up to like bring her there. And I haven't heard back. I mean, I filled out a whole thing they sent me. I sent it. They're like, would you be willing to foster? I'm like, I'll foster until you get a home. Like, yeah. So we took, I took her to the vet on Friday and her breathing is good. Cause I've taken one of these cats from our yard yeah. home before a kitten and it died like Aww. within a week. Cause they have all kinds of yeah. sicknesses. And uh, they did some tests. I'm waiting to hear back before I can take her into the rest yeah. of my house because I have another cat and I don't want her to get sick from yeah. this kitten. Aww. So, but she's healthy and she's eating and she's, she's, 
four ounces. Oh, so She's cute. Tiny. So cute. My sister-in-law has, they have like a lot of cats that are just like their yard cats. Mm -hmm. And one of them just had kittens. So when we were there last week, Mm. they were like the little kittens and they just, they're so cute the way they, they can't really walk, you know, it's so cute. This cat is so cute. I really want to keep it, but it's a lot of work. I know. It's a lot of work. My boys want a cat and I'm like, look, we have the dog. Yeah. And then I have this stupid thing because of my stupid surgery that I had mm. that on my left arm, um, because they had to remove um, a couple of lymph, lymph nodes. So like back in the day when someone had like a, a single or double mastectomy, they would take almost all of the lymph nodes to yeah. see if the cancer has traveled. But now they learn that there's like chains that connect. Okay. So they don't have to take all of them. Ah, so they can just take a couple. couple and if it's, if it's not in the first two, then it's not going to be in others because right, it's, it's that's the start of the chain. So, but when they remove them, depending on how many they have to remove. And luckily for me, they didn't remove that many, but for the rest of my life, my left arm, I can't ever get like blood taken. I can't oh, wow. have scratches on this arm. I can't oh. have like, um, any, um, IVs, nothing, like nothing, uh, blood pressure, nothing on the left arm for, that's incredible. isn't it weird? Cause yeah. she's like, if you do gardening, you need to wear a sleeve. She's like, you need to make sure that you don't get any scratches because the healing, it's going to take a longer time mm. and you can get more infections and this and that. So I'm like, I want to get a cat, but I don't want to deal with like getting scratched from a cat. So I'm like, guys, yeah. can't do it. Wow. I isn't no that idea. weird? Yeah. yeah. It's so weird. Her so bodies. I have to get one of those like. Uh, I don't want to wear a stupid bracelet, Medical bracelet, but they have these things that you could put on your watch band that says it. Okay. You know, I so love I'm that. like, okay, I'll yeah, do don't that. Don't put an IV on this arm. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. It was like it the is. weirdest thing. Yeah. But it's good to know. It's good to know. But yeah, it's this, it's like, and anytime I'm like, oh my God, did I get a cut? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, luckily, but some women who have more taken out, like they can't even shave. They can't even shave because any nicks or anything, if they have like several lymph nodes taken out. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like things that you don't like think about as like a after effect. Sounds like a cat. Nanny. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. All right. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you.